Hello, this is Josh Christman, pastor of the Anchor Church of Cambridge, located in Cambridge, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life that God has called you to live. Malachi chapter 3, reading with verse 6. It's so good to see everybody. Amen. It says, For I am the Lord. I change not. He never changes. You sang about that today, Brother Matt. He said, I'm the Lord and I change not. He said, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances or laws or commandments and have not kept them. Look what he says in the next three, three words. What does he say? Return unto me. In the New Testament, that phrase would be one word. It's repent. Everybody say repent. And he said, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return God? He said, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? He answered them, in tithes and offerings. He said, verse 9, you are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation, the Lord said. But verse 10, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. Everybody say food. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and will pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He talked about tithes and offerings. It's not my goal today is to preach on that. I'm preaching today though. He said that there may be meat in my house. What house? The storehouse. He said bring it to the storehouse. That there's going to be meat in my house. Somebody say the storehouse. Clap your hands and thank God for the storehouse today. Amen. You may be seated. Sawyer and I had the privilege this week of going home to West Virginia. Thanks for singing about West Virginia. That made me want to dance and shout just right there. Brother Conley, that made me want to shout hallelujah when he said West Virginia. Almost heaven. Glory to God. Mountain mama. Sawyer and I were there and Jillian, we were there preaching a youth conviction. A youth conviction. It turned into youth conviction, I'm going to tell you. But youth convention. And while we were there, we drove up through this little town, Beckwith. Beckwith and went to that little town Beckwith and there is a store that's there that I wanted to stop by so bad because it's called the store. <laughs> it's the name of it. It's the store. It's there that you can go in and there's these great sodas that you can buy there that I haven't found anywhere else. Unfortunately for me though, the store was closed. There was no store in the storehouse. It was empty. It was closed on there. I've traveled a lot in this year uh, in back in the country of Ohio, and I've noticed that there's a lot of churches that are closed. There's ne I've never seen so many for sale signs on church buildings. Storehouses that at one point gave something to the community. They tell me that there's, in historically right now, that in America there has been so many places that, that buildings are now. It bothers me when I go, go, go somewhere and I see a building that, that is 
that was once a church is now a bar. It troubles my soul. It really does. Several years ago when I, when I was in my house and I was praying, everybody say storehouse. And uh, uh, it, it's a place where food is provided. It's a place where food is kept. It's a place where those that are hungry can come and gather. And I'm sort of thankful for a little food, aren't you? Amen. After church, we're probably going to get some. Go get something good to eat. But uh, a storehouse is a place where you store it. The Bible talks about store up for winter. What it's saying is you need to store up for times when there's no food to be able to be received from the ground. You've got to store up. Several years ago, I was in my house and I had a prophet of the Lord that was there. Uh, Brother Denny, he was in the house and, uh, and he, he was praying. And in the atmosphere of the fivefold ministry, there was, the Lord began to move in my living room. I fell down on my knees in front of my fireplace and God began to show me in a vision, show me in a word. He said, I want you to go to Crooksville and I want you to start a church. And uh, he said, for there's prophetic roots there that have not come to pass yet, but when you go start preaching the gospel, those prophetic roots are going to sprout new life. I could see a snow-covered ground. I could see, I could see, sort of little sprouts coming coming up out of that as the sun began to melt that away. The Lord showed me it in a vision that there was going to be new life. Before that, fall was my favorite season, but now spring's my favorite season. New life. It changed me. I got up from my knees and weeping in the in the in the emotions of that prophecy. And when I did, the prophet Eli Hernandez. Eli Hernandez, and you know, I believe in prophets. I really do. Men of God, people of God that the Lord uses. He, even in that moment, he turned around and there was a lady in my house that happens to be my mother-in-law, but to, to him, it was just another lady in the house. He, he said, come over here. And he said, I want you to lay hands on Sister Bounds' uh, uh, leg and I want you to start praying for her. He said, the Lord has moved you to this state to, be, uh, to help her and serve her. Well, he didn't know that's my wife's mother. Mother. He's a prophet. And he had her to put her hand on the leg that was wounded in a car accident where they said they were going to amputate it. She would never be able to walk again. But God had healed her. And I'm just going to tell you that the Spirit of the Lord knows what's going on. God knows what's going on. God knows what's going on. And it brought comfort. It brought clarity. That's the goal of the fivefold ministry of prophecy, evangelism, apostleship. All those things is to bring edification. And, and in that, he turned around and prophesied to me about that church that we were going to plant. He told me, he said, I warn you, there's going to be some things that's going to happen. He told me two things, and they both came to pass. But he said, God's will is to be done. I looked at a, an elder in our church. I said, I want you to go to Crooksville. Crooksville, and I want you to find a building there. And sure enough, he called me, he left, and, and a week or so later, he said, I found a, a, an empty church building in Crooksville. And, and uh, he said, come and look at it. I went in there, it had some water damage, and on and on and on, and, and went around. But I sat in there and started dreaming about who's going to come to the Lord, looking at an empty building that smelled musty and dirty. And, and, uh, but after that, I got a little fearful. You ever been a little fearful about stepping out in faith? And I was started dragging my feet about going there and, and putting in a storehouse, if you will. And, and I drug my feet on a Friday. On a Friday, I, I, uh, there was this Friday around that time, I kept dragging my feet to go, you know, move on this building, to buy this church, to start a church in that community that needed God. 
I was dragging my feet. I had some, he told me there's going to be counsel from out of state that's going to tell you not to do it. He said, don't listen to them because God is calling you to do this. And I feel this. And I was dragging my feet. And I, I don't know what I keep saying, but I was dragging my feet, you know, to launch out and buy this building and step out in faith. And are we going to have enough help? You know how we do. Is, am I going to be able to get there? And, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget, a man called me. And he said, are you going to be at my conference this weekend? And I, I said, uh, no, I'm supposed to be out of town. He said, well, you're on the flyer. You're supposed to be preaching. I said, well, nobody ever asked me. He said, I'm sorry I didn't ask you, but will you be here and preach this conference for me? And I said, well, I'll take, yes, I'll be there. I canceled my plans to go to Texas, went there. And the man, listen, the prophecy of the prophet that had preached a revival when the Lord had spoke to me in front of my fireplace, he said, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. Everybody say R-I-S-K. It's a risk. Faith sometimes a risk. And uh, that was the word in that meeting. And then we went to my house and the Lord said, go start, go start that church in Crooksville. I went to this other meeting when I was talking about dragging my feet and I was supposed to be out of town. And I went and preached that meeting in Dayton, Ohio. When I was there in the middle of the message, the preacher stopped on that, that night. I was going to preach the next day. The preacher stopped that night and he turned around and he said, my God. He was one of those fiery preachers. Don't you like fiery preaching? Amen. He turned around my brother and he said, You know how you spell faith? R-I-S-K. Had nothing to do with this message. Out of nowhere, he turned around and spoke a word to me. And I knew God was saying, It's risky, but you, you operate in the word in which I've spoken to you to operate in. You step out in that dream. You step out in that faith. I've got a work to do. Listen, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Quit waiting on your ability. Quit waiting on your resources. And step out and say, God is going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. That was Friday night. That was Friday night. I knew. I've got to move. I knew. That was Friday night. On Sunday night, I had a dream. Everybody say a dream. I had a dream, and in the dream, I was there at the building, and I had drugged my feet, and they had sold that building in Crooksville that we're supposed to have. They sold it, and there was a short-haired lady that was from the art center that had bought that building because I didn't have faith to move forward. And I woke up on Monday morning after the dream, and the Lord gave me a number, 63500 to make an offer on that building that they wanted a, a 120000 for. And I called a board meeting and we made an offer and they accepted. They accepted. God provided every dollar for that miraculously. On a Sunday night, oh, let me slow down here. I get too, I get too excited. I get too excited. And uh, on a Sunday night, on a Sunday night, I was, I was just preaching. I was preaching on a Sunday night. The Lord has spoke to me that, that on, on Friday night of revival, that, that we were to take care of our evangelists financially. Greg Goblin. He said, I want you to take care of him on Friday. He said, and I'm going to take care of the church in Crooksville on Sunday. Do you believe God speaks to people? Amen. I'm telling you, he spoke that clear to me. On Friday night, we received an offering for our evangelist. And on Sunday, I get up to preach. And you, if you ever see a preacher in the pulpit and the music's going, he starts going, mm -hmm. That means he's feeling good. He just doesn't know what to say. <laughs> and 
inside. He's saying, help me, Jesus. I don't know what to do. And uh, I looked, and there's a lady laying in the altar. She was out of the church for 35 years. Her dad was a pastor, had been a pastor. And she was laying there, prayed through after 35 years. And I looked at her, and I said, you know, she received the Holy Ghost. She used to go to that church in Crooksville years and years ago. Where were we going to go? And I said, look, we're just talking about it. And she's already prayed through. The Bible says, though a tree be cut down, Job said in chapter 14. He said, though it's cut down yet through the scent of water, it shall live again. Brother Hupp, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. The Lord heard your prayer. And God is going to see your sacrifice. And he's going to do what you can never do on your own. He has heard the prayers you prayed for your family. And they shall come to pass. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, it's going to come to pass. You claim every word. You claim every promise. Come on, there's somebody else in this building that you believe the hand of God is not done. It is not short that it cannot save. Somebody shout, a miracle can happen. A miracle can happen. And I was in, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you have something in your life you've been praying for, you want God to do a work, I want you to stand and lift your hands and say, God, there's a work that's not finished yet. There's some prophetic roots. There's some prayers that haven't come to pass yet. I'm telling you, it will come to pass. God is not done. Hallelujah. He's not done with you. He's not done with you. He heard those prayers years ago and he will bring it to pass. The curse is about to be removed from you. I'm telling somebody, the curse is gonna be broken. Blessings are gonna come into your life. You gotta believe if you'll just turn. If you will turn to him, it shall come to pass. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. And in that service, that lady is laying there speaking in tongues and praying through the Holy Ghost. Been an addict for years, instantly delivered. It was so powerful. And while I was standing there, I'm looking at the evangelist like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do we preach or do we not? Finally looked at the evangelist and said, I, I said, you feel a word? He said, just do what you feel. I think I just kept on humming. I don't know. But all of a sudden, a man by the name of Bob Spring came running up there in his cowboy boots, a quiet man, worshiped in his own little circle there. He came up, he said, I'll give a thousand dollars. Hold on a minute, I hadn't even received an offering. Only thing I was talking about, the things God was gonna do in Crooksville. He came up and said, I'll give a thousand dollars. Somebody else jumped up and said, I'll give a thousand. Somebody else said, I'll give 500. Somebody else said, I'll give 250. A little six-year-old girl jumped up on the pew and stood up, she said, I'll give two. You see, we had a contract on the building. It was due at this. It was due on Thursday. We couldn't get a loan because we was at a at a at a place during the recession that we had. It was a place where they weren't renewing loans, and we couldn't just go get a loan on top of a loan. It was tough times, and we didn't have any money to make the bank. We didn't have no money, <laughs> and uh, and that we we had to have the money by Thursday morning. And guess what? There were $40,000 in pledges that came in on a Sunday night and on Thursday morning when I was going to go meet and sign the contract with the check in hand that I didn't have. The secretary called me. She said, the last dollar that we needed for you to go today just came in. And I thought to myself, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. Amen. God had a plan for that city. God had a plan for that community. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. And three years later, listen, three years later, 
three years later, I was saying, God, God was beginning to tell me I was going to transition. And I said, Lord, who's it going to be? And the Lord in a vision showed me, uh, showed me in, in a thought, not a vision, but a thought about Tony Richard praying. I went to him. I said, do you have a burden for Crooksville? He said, every night, every night I weep and cry over that city, over that city. I said, tell me about it. He said, do you remember that night that we took up the offering for Crooksville to go buy that building? I said, yeah. He said, we, you know. He said, I came to the Lord that morning. He said, I was 22 years away from God. Not one day of peace. His daddy was an apostolic preacher. Somehow, somewhere in the road, he had taken a wrong road. How many know we all like sheep have gone astray? Everybody in this room at one point took a wrong road. He said, 22 years, 22 years without peace. He said, but I woke up on that Sunday morning. I raised up in my bed and I looked at my wife. I said, I'm going to the altar today. 22 years without God. 22 years without the Lord. And the Lord reached right beyond all of that mess and all of those mistakes and all of that chaos and all of those bad decisions. He reached up and touched his heart. He wakes up and says, I want to church. Brother Godwin was preaching about the blood. The blood will remove sin. The blood will set you free. He ran to the altar and repented. His wife followed him. His kids followed him. And guess what? The Lord called him to be the pastor of that church. And what I didn't realize is that when Lord said he was going to take care of Crooksville on Sunday, on Sunday night he had provided the finances. But three years later, I realized on that same morning he had provided the pastor. You can't, you can't script this. When God starts dealing with your heart, it's because there's something great for you. I said there's something great for you. And the Lord's been speaking to some of you, not just because of eternity, but God's got a work for you to do. He's not done with you. I wish there was somebody say, if he's not done with me, then I'm not done. If he's not done with me, then I'm going to do something for the Lord. Hallelujah. A few years later, the banker, the banker of the community bank, how many's ever heard of the community bank? The banker, the man that took that from one bank to all of these campuses, his name was Michael Steen. We served on a, a board in the community together. He called me. He said, I'd like to meet with you, sit down, talk, talk to you. When he sat down at the table, he started crying. He said, why is it every time I get around you, I start crying? He said, I got to talk to you. He said, I don't know what it is. He sat there. He is, he is the president, the CEO of Community Bank. He is a weeping. He said, why is it? I said, it's called the Holy Ghost. That's the spirit of God. And we started talking because he's the one that gave us that loan. We used, used the local bank. We started talking. And I, I, I told him the dream. I said, you know, we almost didn't buy that building. I said, you know, I was stepping out in faith and pastoring two churches and taking the team and going down there and opening up this church. I said, we almost didn't do that. And he said, uh, I said, I had a dream about this lady that from the art center. He said, oh my goodness. He started crying. He said, there was a lady from the art center that showed up. He said, there was a lady from the art center that came to buy this building, but I hesitated. I said, she have short hair? He said, yep, she did. He said, I don't know why I hesitated, but I did because I felt like y'all needed this building. And he started crying because he said, the Lord used me. God used me. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a storehouse in that, in that city now. Because there were some saints of God that said, there needs to be a church in that city. There's some saints of God. There was, there was a man of God that could hear what God wanted to do in that city. And I prophesy that there, you, you haven't seen the chip of the iceberg of what he's going to do in this city. There's a saints of God. 
There's the saints of God. Come on, how many glad you got a storehouse right here on this road? Oh, I feel deliverance. Somebody shout, there's a, I want everybody to jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout, there's a storehouse in this city. There's a storehouse in this city. There's a storehouse. Amen, amen, amen. If, 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 I hope I didn't mislead you and you think I'm talking about grape soda. You can be seated. I'm not talking about apples and bananas. I'm not talking about Florida oranges and tangerines and fresh ruby red grapefruits. I'm, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about. I, I'm, I'm not talking about Snapple sweet tea. I'm, I'm not talking about refrigerators with that. I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something else that the stores. The Bible says that God spoke to a man by the name of Joseph, Pastor Christman. Joseph, who had boughs that stretched over the wall that were full of fruit, and uh, uh, he he. It, and what happened is there was an unfolding. There was an unfolding of something that was happening in the world that God knew was going to happen. But he needs somebody to use them to prepare for what was going to happen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God knows what's about to happen. He knows what's about to happen. God's not shook up over COVID. He didn't, he didn't look at Gabriel and say, I didn't see it coming. It didn't happen. He, he's not shook up. He's not shook up with, with what's happening in Jordan right now. He knows. He told us it's going to happen. He's not, he's not shook up with what they're doing in China, what they're doing in Russia, the bear and the dragon that's right there in the book of Revelation. All that stuff's in the book. He said there are going to be signs of the time. We're living in signs of the time. I'm telling you, the Lord's coming. It's not time to play games with God. It's not time to play games with God. Somebody say it's not time to play games with God. And what you'll learn is that he knew there was a famine that was coming. He knew there was a famine. I, uh, let me just obey the Holy Ghost here. I, you know, church is much more than just checking off the box. Well, I went to church, you know, trying to please the Lord, went to church. Church isn't something where you just go and sit and, for, and, and fulfill formality. Church is a place where God has something specific for you of that day. Amen. I, I'll give you an example, and I don't know why I'm telling this, but I feel to tell this. But I was, I was just a young man. Uh, I'm, I'm still young, amen. I was about 17 turning 18, Sawyer. I was at a storehouse in Clarksburg, West Virginia. I was at a church. And uh, I preached on Sunday night, and it was, it was, it was dead. I'm talking about nothing happened. I preached a sermon and went about that far. It, I'm telling you, it didn't hit anybody on the front row. I got down and scooped it up. And I said, I'm a, I'm a terrible preacher. I'm too young. I'm not wise enough. Uh, I, I don't have it together. I preached on Monday night. I'm not so sure the sermon got off the pulpit. I think it just laid there. You know, and you give an altar call. Is anybody impacted by the message? I was preaching my heart. Anybody hear the word of the Lord? Anybody just, and you know, we say bow your head, close your eyes, and raise your hand. If you go, I look out, there's no hands raised. That's all I'd say. Let's, let's just all come and pray around the altar. So we'll pick up the message. Feel like a failure. One uh, Monday night after that service, I told the guy that I was riding with. And, and uh, a lot of times I was so young preaching revivals, I had to do homework in between Sunday services. Felt too young. 
You young men, listen to me. You're not too young to do something mighty for God. How many believe that for these young men? That's right. It's the truth. I, um, I, I, and I told the guy, oh, he said, buddy, it's not you. If you only knew what was going on in this church. I told the guy with me, I said, man, I, I'm doing something wrong. He said, Bubba, it's not you. If you only knew what was going on. He said, we'll go pray tonight. There's some guys that's really good about praying. He said, but we're going to go Pizza Hut first. Man, they sound Pentecostal, don't they? Yeah. We're going to go eat pizza. After Pizza Hut, we met about midnight and started praying. We prayed. You know, when you start praying, we started praying. Hour went by. Two hours went by. You know, you start out very exuberant, but by after two hours, you just say, oh, God, in the name of the Lord, please, Lord, do something. You know, you just, you, you're just dragging through prayer. But instantly, something happened. Pop! I was like, something changed the atmosphere. All five of us started worshiping in victory. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Something happened in that storehouse. Something came into that house that was so powerful. You felt it happen. The next day, uh, on Tuesday, I was praying. Nothing. Didn't feel a word. I just got a message that had worked good before. And I thought, I'll try that. You know, I got to the church, and the pastor prophesied to me. He said, the Lord's going to do something in ministry tonight he's never done. I was standing on, I was sitting on this side of the church, and they started singing one of those good old songs like we were singing today. Look what the Lord has done. And, you know, he's got on the platform. People, people were clapping their hands, rejoicing. I was sitting on this side of the church, a little bit back from the pulpit, when I did, conviction fell in that room. Everybody say, in the house. In West Virginia, we say it's so thick you could cut it with a knife. It was so thick in that room. I'm talking about God getting a hold of my heart. Conviction, something, the atmosphere changed. And the pastor snapped his head. He said, Brother Aaron, do you feel that? I said, yes, I do. He said, I mean, we haven't been in church three minutes. Three minutes. He said, I'm going to change. He said, I'm going to sing a song that matches the atmosphere, and I'm going to turn it to you. Hold on, you mean there's not going to be three songs and offering and a special and a choir and, you know, hey, we got to follow the lead of the Holy Ghost. This is his church. This is his store. He's managing this place. He's managing this place. And I turned around and, and when he walked away to change that song, the only time I've ever heard the audible voice was at that moment. The audible voice of God. I never heard it before. never heard it since. And the audible voice of God said this to me. He said, there are people in this church that have played games with me for years and I'm angry. He said, and because I'm angry, they're in a dangerous place. I wept. I'd heard a word from the Lord. 17, maybe 18-year-old preacher. I leaned across that pulpit with tears dripping on that pulpit. I said, thus saith the Lord. Any of you have played games with you for years and he's angry. But because he's angry, you're in a dangerous place. There was no formal altar call. They ran to the altar. They ran. They found forgiveness. There were people repenting. All, and, and I remember that pastor, that older pastor, grabbed me by the arm like this. He said, come here, Brother Aaron, look at this. He said, there are five miracles in the altar right now. Five miracles here. He said, see that lady, that couple right there? He said, they look the part. He said, but they've been in this church for 30 years. 30 years their daughters prayed for them. And tonight's the first time they've ever repented in 30 years. 
See, church is not a place of songs and formality and, and positions and whatever. Church is a place where we go get from God what we need from God. I'm not talking about grape sodas and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about breakfast sandwiches that's set under a little glass with heat on it so you can get on the way. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about something for the soul that prepares you for what is to come. That's what church is for. There's some things that are coming up we need a storehouse to prepare us for. There's some things that are in here right now that God said you can't get from the bar. You can't get from a crack house. You can't get from a family gathering. You can't get from a raise on the job. There's some things you can only get from the storehouse. It's from heaven. It's from heaven. And the Bible says in this day back in Genesis Back in the book of Genesis that the Lord gave Pharaoh a dream. Everybody say Pharaoh. He's the king of the land. He's really the king of the world in all honesty. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh. When God gave him a dream, he had a dream of five, of five excuse me, seven, seven fat cows coming out of coming out of the sea. They were followed by seven skinny cows. And the seven skinny cows devoured the seven fat cattle. And, that, and he didn't know what it meant. He had a dream the same way with seven full ears of corn coming out by seven skinny ears of corn coming in and eating that. He asked all of his magicians. He asked his astrologers. He asked everybody around, what does it mean? And they said, we don't know. We have no clarity of what's about to happen. We can't tell you. And all of a sudden, the guy standing in the corner that had been the butler in the prison with Joseph, that he had interpreted his dream that in three years he would be restored back to the palace. All of a sudden in the corner you heard, <clears throat> uh, you have a sore throat, butler? No, I don't have a sore throat. Is there something you'd like to say? Yes, there's something I'd like to say. Oh, kingly forever, don't you remember when you threw me into the, in the prison? Yes, I do. I'll never forget it. He said, I had a dream, and it was the dream about these things on my head and, and that I began to squeeze these grapes into the cup. He said, I didn't know what it meant, but there's a man in that prison that has the gift of interpretation. He told me exactly what was coming in my life and I would be restored. Do you remember the baker? Do you remember the baker? Yes. He told him he was going to be hung on, in three days later and that's exactly what happened. And, and, and the king said, get me that man. Get me that man. Anytime God is going to do something, he's always going to send somebody. The Bible says he revealeth his secrets unto the prophets. He revealeth his secrets. And you listen to this preacher as I feel the prophetic unction of God upon me. He said there, and he brought him before him. He, he came in and he was standing before the, before the king. He got all cleaned up, clean shaven, all that deal, new clothes, come out of a prison and stood before the king. And the king said, here was my dream. And he says this to the king. He said, and for that the dream was that doubled unto Pharaoh because he dreamed it twice. Twice. He said, it is because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. Everybody say plenty. Let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities and that food shall be for store to the land against Seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through the famine. He said, this is what you've got to do. He said, you've got to build storehouses. You've got to create a house where the, where the corn can be provided. Amen. 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 Somebody say a storehouse. 
He said, you've got to have storehouses. He said, here's the dream. We, we, don't, we just can't have interpretations, Pastor. We've got to have instruction. Amen. Everybody should say instruction. Can y'all feel what I feel in this room right now? He said, there will be seven years of plenty. It's going to be followed by seven years of famine. You're to take a fifth of it and you're to store it in the storehouse. So when the famine comes, the hungry won't perish. So when the famine comes, those that are thirsty and dying in the land of Egypt and the lands around will not die. That there will be plenty. Don't eat it all. Don't waste it. Store it up for a season where there's a famine. Praise God, I feel this. And what happened is there were seven years of plenty. Everybody say seven years of plenty. You would have went, there were storehouses everywhere that stored the corn and the wheat and the barley. They had all of these different grains that they stored for the famine that was to come. Listen, Joseph is no longer the prisoner that gave the interpretation. He is the most powerful man in the world. Pharaoh said, I'm only... You're only second to me when I'm in the throne. I'm going to listen to everything you say. Now you listen to me. The church is the Joseph. The man of God is the Joseph. That says this is what's going to happen in the land. Our direction shouldn't come from CNN, MSNBC, or political agendas. Our direction of what God's going to do must come from the Joseph in our world. A God sent man that hears the voice of God. Come on, I don't want some astrologer telling me what's gonna happen. I don't want some witchcraft telling me what's gonna happen. I don't need a 1-900 psychic. I don't need somebody with a tarot card. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you don't need palm readers and tarot card readers. You don't need that. You need the Holy Ghost, that's what you need. You need for God to say, this is where you're going. And this is what's gonna happen in your life. Somebody say the storehouse is full. He said that my storehouse might be full. Full. Full of what? Full of what's going to get you through the famine. Full of the things that's going to get you through the dry times. Full of the things that's going to get your marriage through that dry time. That's going to get your kids out of that addiction. That's going to get your mind out of that perversion. There's something in the house that'll take you out of the dry things of this world. Dry times, famine times, suicide, addiction, pills, needles, alcohol, lust, chaos. He said there's a place in the land that when you are drying up from the godless things in the world, when there is no peace, when there is no joy, I know where the joy is at. There's joy stored in the storehouse. There's peace in the storehouse. There's happiness in the storehouse. Somebody shout, it's in the house. I come to tell you there's healing for your marriage in the house. There's healing for your mind. You don't need antidepressants. You need, a, you need what's in the house. You don't need that stuff. You need what's in the house. Somebody shout, it's in the house. You don't need another drink of alcohol. You don't need the bar. You don't need media. You need what's in the house. Come on, elbow your neighbor and say everything we need is in the storehouse. My buddy was telling me this week, he said, a lady... He said a local doctor's son started coming to church, started attending the church, and he gave his life to the Lord. He repented. He was getting baptized, so his mother came to the church. His mother came to the church, and uh, 
she was coming to see her son get baptized. Godless people, people that didn't live for the Lord. And uh, said she had been bound for many years by a spirit of fear, unable to sleep, unable to get her emotions under control, lived in a frantic of fear year after year, day after day. But she said, when I pulled onto the parking lot of the church, what had been tormented, what I'd been tormented with years, instantaneously left me. She walked in the church and after the baptism, she said, I need to speak to you, Pastor. And, and, and he said, yes, how can I help you? She said, I have been tormented by years, by fear, by just, just treacherous torment. She said, but when I pulled on the parking lot, what had tormented me instantaneously left me. She said, I want to know why. Pills couldn't do it. Counseling couldn't do it. Nothing changed couldn't do it. Why did it leave me when I pulled into the parking lot of the storehouse? He said, all I know to tell you is every Saturday night we've been gathering and praying that when people pull into the parking lot, they will be set free from demonic things that's holding them bound. I come to tell you it's in the house. Peace is in the house. You don't have to die in a frantic. Come out, he said. There's something in the house that will set you free. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and thank God for the storehouse. Thank God for the storehouse. It's not the will of God for young people to have razor blades in their hands and cutting their arms and wrists because they're numb. Can't feel. No emotion. People thinking about suicide, not living, throwing the marriage away, throwing hope away. It is a drought. And he told Joe, Joseph said, there's going to be seven years of plenty. But Joseph said, listen, there's one thing I know about plenty. I know where to put the plenty. Put it in a storehouse. In the storehouse, in the storehouse, there's going to be joy. There's going to be direction. Come on, I feel healing for Cambridge. Everything Cambridge needs is in the house. Everything they need is in the house. There's going to be drug dealers that walk down that sidewalk. And as they're walking from right to left, I, the Lord showed me, they're going to walk from coming this direction. When they do, they're going to feel something because of what's in this house. They're going to smell the corn in the house. They're going to smell the wheat and the barley. Come on, I'm going to tell you because what they're hungry for isn't in another drug. It's in the house. Somebody shout, it's in the house. What drugs will never do. What a fifth of liquor will never do. What a 40 ounce bottle of whatever will never do. Is in the house. It's in here. I feel it so strong. Oh my goodness. There's a whole, there's a whole, there's a whole heaping pile of peace that's sitting right there. Look at all of that joy that's been stored up right there. Look at that sound, soundness of mind. Look at love that is stored. It's it's all over, all over the building. There is dust. You ever been to a, you ever been to a feed supply? You ever been where they dump corn? There's dust over everything. Look look at the look at the joy of God that's settled all over this building. Preacher, watch that. I feel. Listen, this morning, this morning, this morning, we've been praying. We've been cleaning out our houses, getting all the stuff out that shouldn't be there. We've been having revival. I got up to give announcements this morning and started preaching. People started running to the altar and getting baptized. Amen. You know you have a revival when announcements turns into a sermon. Amen. Well, we're there praying. I noticed at the end, of this, end of, end of the moment there was a young man on this side. He was weeping and crying. He was one of our young, aspiring young ministers that had backslid. And uh, I looked over, his dad, his sisters, and him, they're all weeping and crying. 
nobody couldn't get fixed. What nobody could get fixed. They're over there weeping. I thought, where in the world did Sean come from? I hadn't seen Sean in service. Sean was at work. Sean is backslid. Sean's at Sam's Club. And he's standing there in Sam's Club unloading a trailer. And the Spirit of the Lord showed up at Sam's Club. And it ushered into that place where he was. And it shook him. It was so powerful, my brother. It was so powerful that the co-worker said, What in the world is this that I feel? He said, it's the presence of God and I'm leaving this job and I'm going to the church and get my life right with the Lord. And he came in and repented because it's in the house. You can have the Holy Ghost. Your heart can be made clean. Oh my goodness, I see it. I see it. Everybody turn around, look back here. Look at the corner of the storehouse. Look, 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 look. It's a heaping pile of forgiveness. Came with an empty sack. Came with an empty sack. Hungry and thirsty. I just feel so shamed. Preacher, if you only know, you come in and you only know what I've done. I've carried it from the abuse even when I was seven years old. I've felt shame for the things that happened to me. And the preacher didn't say, you don't belong here. Saints of God didn't say, you don't belong here. Uh -uh. We've been storing up for years. Because the famine, we knew the famine was coming. And oh, let me show you something. Come, come, come. come here, look, 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 look. Oh my goodness. Look! Forgiveness. It's a whole pile of second chances. No more shame. Second chances. When you walk out of the storehouse, you'll say, never seen the sky so blue. I never wanted to wake up in the morning feeling so free. I feel like, I just feel like a, a weight. Oh, oh my goodness. Come, 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 come up here. Preacher, I feel so dirty. I, I found forgiveness, but I just feel the dust of the world. There's a whole pool full of living water and cleansing. That when you leave here, guess what? The thing about the storehouse, you can dump off what's been filling you up, making you feel dirty, and you can leave clean with a whole sack full of what you need. I come to preach to you, it's a storehouse. I don't care what, listen, listen. Here's the powerful promise of the storehouse. It didn't matter where country you came from. It didn't matter how far you were away from it. He had stored it up for you. The whole world. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Not only... Were non, well, not only was it for Egyptians, it was for Jews. It was people that used to eat the corn of the land. It was people that used to love the bread of heaven. It was people that were called by the name of the Lord that had wandered away. And now they grew up, now they found themselves in a land of famine. Listen, listen to this preachers, I tell you in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, seven years of plenty is over. Two years of famine is now. And there are these ten brothers that show up of Joseph. They're from Canaan land. And when they told their father Jacob, Jacob said, listen, I have heard that there's corn. In Egypt. Let me, let me just word it this way. I've heard there's corn in Canaan. The storehouse wasn't in Canaan land. The storehouse was in the world.
right in the midst of what is known as a place of bondage. Listen to this preacher. Just remain standing. I'm almost done. He said, go there and find the coin. Long story short, I'm going to shorten a little bit. But when the youngest came, his name was Benjamin. Benjamin came in and can, can is there an empty cup here somewhere? Man, I, uh, glory to God. Praise God. Watch this, watch. He came, they came in hungry. And Joseph had lost himself that they didn't know it was the brother because it wasn't time for revelation to happen yet. He was just taking care of the needs. See, always in ministry, God ministers to the hunger and the need before he ever reveals who he is. Always. Revelation follows ministry. And, and they showed up, and uh, uh, I, need a, I need a sack or a purse or something. Sorry, here we go. This is good enough. <laughs> Excuse me, Sister Brenda. Watch. Watch this. He comes in, they're sitting there. They don't even know that it's a Jew. That has brought a storehouse. <laughs> they don't even know this isn't a Pharaoh. It's God's people that are providing. I, I, I just feel this. Your answer is not going to be in an atheist psychologist telling you how to fix your mind. It's not going to happen. But we're getting marriage counsel. Where are you getting it from? An agnostic. It's not going to fix the marriage. You need clean. You, you need the storehouse. You, you need the storehouse. I, I have seen people run the altar that was on 70 pills a day and instantly delivered, instantly delivered. Marriage fixed, instantly delivered. Why? Because they found something in the house. And here, here they're showing up one after they got their they got their corn sacks. And here they are. They're holding out, they're getting the corn. It's filling that, filling that up. And, and the last one's name was Benjamin. And they, the king said, you know, he, he was getting back at him a little bit for selling him, I think. But. He stuck a cup in that, and he handed it. He handed it. Benjamin, would you, you hold that, and you, you take it home. And, and uh, they're on their way home. So there, there are ten brothers going back home, and, and, and they're going back home. And they got in sack, and you have any money? I, I don't have any money. I need some money. God's house suffering. I don't have any money. Forgive me. I, I need some money. Oh, all right. All right. Well, glory. Thank you, Sister Christman, for the money. Amen. He didn't only, he didn't only give him the sack of corn. He put his cup in there. It was the it was it was Joseph's cup. And he put the money that it cost him to buy the corn back in it. And he handed it to Benjamin. He said, Go ahead and go. Go ahead and go. And my brother, would you start walking that way? You're going back to Canaan, Lent. Amen. <laughs> I'm not gonna let you get too far, trust me. Amen. Amen. Hey, he starts leaving and he sends, come here. He sends one of the ministers, one of the servants out. He said, go get them and go through their sacks. Somebody's stolen my cup. Somebody's taken the money. Somebody. And they open up. Watch this. Everybody turn around and look. And they unzip. They untake that burlap sack, very possible. And they're going through the corn and pushing the corn back. And they reach in and pull, pull that cup out. What are you doing with the king's cup? What are you doing? 
You've, you, you, you came for corn, but you've taken the cup of the king. You have stolen the cup of the king. You've taken the money. You, you've taken this. And fear came on him. He said, bring him back. Bring him back. And he brings him back to Joseph. And it is, listen, I'm trying to tell it quickly. But when he brings him back, watch. In reality, in everybody that comes to the storehouse, it was a setup to bring him back. He didn't want him just to eat the corn. Because there's a land of Goshen that's not far from here. That's the best of all of Egypt. That Benjamin doesn't know it. But he's bringing him back. And he's going to give him more than he's ever had. And the king knew he just can't come here and get and satisfy hunger and then go home. He's going to move here. And so this is going to be home for him. The only way to get him back is I've got to give him my cup and restore unto him everything that he's lost. Now listen to this preacher. The cup. It's something that God has put every single one of us. When he created man, he took a divot of his, of his hand and he created a void in every one of you. That's why a drug will lead to another one. A promotion will lead to another one. A relationship a lot of times will lead to another one because it never satisfies the emptiness that's inside of you. It's not your cup. It's a spot in your life that belongs to the king. And you can go as far as you want, but the thing that's going to bring you back is what the world would never satisfy. You can't make enough money. You can't have enough kids. You can't take enough vacations. You can't get enough raise. You can't get enough retirement to satisfy it. And that's why in Acts 2 and 4 it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The psalmist wrote, he said, my cup, it runneth over. And the thing that brings us back is that I, got, I need God. I don't just need corn. I need the king. I need God in my life. I need God. And I pray for you today that's representing everybody I'm preaching for. I pray for every Benjamin that the Lord has brought back. I pray for every backslider that the Lord has brought back. I pray for every individual that God is bringing back. There's corn in the storehouse. But there's a cup that's reserved for the king. Come on, lift your hands all over the building and say, I want the corn. Oh, but I need the cup filled. I need the cup filled. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Lift your hands. Everybody in the building, I want you to lift your hands and say, I need it. Come on, I'm praying for him as, as, as if I'm praying for all of you. I need the Hallelujah. It's called the storehouse my house might be full. Let's just pray silently across the room. Every head begin to pray. Every, every person begin to pray. Go ahead and pray all over this room. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church of Cambridge podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly sermons. If you are in the Cambridge area, we invite you to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Again, thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.